looking forward to carrying on what I've been talking about over the last few weeks um, about uh, this concept of the river. Now, I, um, if you've not heard any of these sermons I've been doing, then I'll just give you a very, very quick <coughs> summary, is that um, the Holy Spirit is a river inside us, and he runs to life, and wherever the river flows, there is life, and that goes to the nations, there's life, there's, there's healing for all the nations within the river that is within us so the potential of our christianity is literally without limit so you have god inside you that's that's amazing we have god inside us so as a community we have extraordinary potential um and yet somehow we don't always well we don't see all that potential fulfilled um and uh, i've been praying about that and, and asking god and doing some stuff um in the day school with students that's led on to this uh, just talking about what well, let's get honest with why god doesn't answer our prayers sometimes why we don't see what we want to see you know and and because we can and i have you know sometimes people say well that's parked in the realms of mystery and I, i'm not sure i'm convinced that that's that's a sufficient answer um because i think the bible does give us clear indications of why we don't see the kingdom of heaven fully expressed and, and we need to sort of grapple and wrestle with those uh issues that the bible bible makes quite clear i think um so i don't think it is just a mystery um i think sometimes we just don't like the, the, the clarity that the bible brings because it, it faces up it gives us a mirror upon our own christianity does that, does that make sense so 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 I, 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 from, you know most of the time i want to be extremely positive i am being extremely positive um about the potential we have within us but i'm also don't want us to live frustrated because we don't realize the potential of our lives does that make sense to you? So if anything that could hinder us, and, um, and as I was uh, looking, thinking about that a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning here, God just dropped into my mind the, the River Thames as, a, as, a, as an illustration, and I talked about that more over the last couple of weeks, where in 1957 the Thames was declared biologically dead because it couldn't sustain life, um, and yet now it, it sustains an abundance of life. Um, and... Uh, Actually, Elaine, you sent me an email this week that said in their residence newsletter from Greenhide, is it? They, they, they have a house that overlooks the Thames. That actually, there's, there's uh, basically news there that the River Thames is now the cleanest river in the world that runs through a major city. Is that not amazing? <laughs> it's taken 60 years of, of, of concerted effort by many, many people for that to become an outcome but it just it, it's a fantastic illustration of what can happen if we, we if we were to make a concerted effort to make sure that nothing pollutes and limits the river that, that's within us to flow what could happen over the next few generations how much how much life could we see being exhibited through this this river that that's really where, where i'm aiming okay um so i've been thinking around that a lot and i'm 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 also using Exodus as, as a training base. Um, and uh, so, without being contrived, um, I want to put some, put that, some of that together. I um, also want to talk to you about uh, something that we're going to be doing here at Eastgate, which does link into it. Um, so, because <clears throat> one of the things I'll come on to later on is actually the Bible talks about how we use our money, how we, how we, how we deal with money is one of the keys uh, to the release of true riches. Um, it says if we're not if we're not faithful with worldly wealth, 
how, how we'll, um, we won't see true riches released to us. That, that's, a, that's a picture of what, what are true riches? True riches is, 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 is stuff that will last for all eternity. You know, don't store up for yourself treasure on earth, but, but store it up uh, in heaven. So actually, you know, you're meant to be a heavenly capitalist. Jesus said that, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. So that's true riches, so heavenly riches. And so the release of that on earth and then the, the reality of that for all the eternity is linked into um, to the ways that we use our money. Um, and number one, I wanted to celebrate us as a church because as a church I want to celebrate all of us and thank you because uh, your faithfulness, our faithfulness, because I put myself in this category, uh, over the years has been extraordinary in terms of what we have achieved together financially. Um, this building is, a, is an outcome of that. Um, what we've achieved this last year financially has been quite extraordinary. We set ourselves an extremely uh, demanding budget last year. We, we actually looked at this as directors and it was a, we had a few gulp moments. We go, oh, my word. Um, what we wanted to try and achieve, what we, what we were aspiring to achieve and what we would need to do uh, to achieve that. And we actually set um, this is the details of the budget last year. I think it was a 17% increase, wasn't it? Is that right? 17%, something like that, increase, which was a massive task. Um, and uh, we pretty much met that, ta- that, that budget. And uh, we, the, the, uh, the directors are now next in, and the trustees are now in the next budget round, ready for the 1st of April, of what we're, what we're going to look for next. Because if, if the church is healthy, it will grow. And... With growth comes growing demands, and what we've realised that um, we actually need to uh, start something. We're going to start something called the Eastgate Growth Fund. Um, now, um, there are so many different aspects of Eastgate that are growing that we've actually realised that if we just bottle this down to one thing, um, it would be probably uh, unhelpful. Um, but just to say, over this last year, we've actually raised. Oh, a lot of money for the annex. So the annex was completed uh, over this last year um, through a lot of money that has been given through the congregation. I think something up to nearly three, four hundred thousand pounds has been given to to the annex fund over the last few years. Now, also actually, we've got a record uh, within the church of, um, that we started our building fund in in the year 2000 with a with a. a, a uh, a dream, the aim of actually having our own building, which we did. But it took us uh, 14 years to get there from 2000. Now, what was interesting was that this, the congregation of, of the church through those period of years actually raised, on average, just over £100,000 per year in addition to their tithe income, the general expenses of the church. So £1.5 million all told to enable this building to be here. So £100,000 a year. So what we know is actually that this, this, this works um, and that there's, there's, there's the stuff. So what we want to do is we want to start this growth fund um, and without restricting it to, to specific things, but just to say some things. Because actually, you know what? We need more space still. We do. Okay. So, so, so <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good challenge to have. So more buildings, maybe another annex on that side. We're not here. The opportunities within the Garden City are enormous. How about car parking? That's a bit of a challenge. Um, it's not so much of a challenge for you at the nine o'clock meeting, but when you come to the 11.30 meeting, it is a challenge. Um, and we've got to find some creative ways of sorting that out. We're working at it. Um, all sorts of things that we'd like to pour resources into. Um, developing our media. Um, 
our IT, our PA infrastructure, all that sorts of things, is, is actually something we want to do. And a lot of this stuff we're doing um, is like uh, the one-off spends or startup funding. There's a lot of good stuff going on. So I don't know how many of you knew that the worship school started recently here with about 75 people attending it. Now, that's an extraordinary thing. It's brilliant. Um, but uh, we're trying to increase the, the capacity of what we've got in, in all sorts of areas and departments, um, children, all sorts of stuff. Um, and uh, so we're just throwing some of these, these opportunities out there. Heaven in Healthcare is another one. We've just seen it on the, the, um, the notices here. Um, Heaven in Healthcare is a phenomenal opportunity that is getting attention from right across this nation and other nations. Um, people are captured by the, the idea of heaven being released into the resources of our health services. Um, so next Saturday I'm, I'm, I'll be speaking at a Ox, uh, conference in Oxford about this to hopefully over 100 health workers. Um, and uh, So all these things are things that we want to see growing within the context of Eastgate. So during March we're going to take up offerings with regard to the Eastgate Growth Fund. And I just wanted to get you ready for that. What we suggest is you do, ask God to provide for you to give. He's quite good at doing that. Okay? Because one of the things you find with the book of Exodus, the, the, uh, the Israelites went from slaves with nothing. Not, they weren't even given the straw to make the bricks. They had to find that for themselves. To people with more than enough to survive and build a tabernacle with a view to entering a promised land. Which, yeah, so it's, it's, it's quite extraordinary. So my suggestion to you is, is, is test God in this. And, I said, and uh, I'll come back to that a bit later on in the sermon. So, okay, so, so just to get you the idea of this, that we're going to have this fund um, and uh, we'll be taking some offerings in March, but then that will continue on as a, as a regular part of our uh, tithes and offerings here at Eastgate. All right, is that reasonably clear? Happy about that? Excited? All looking studiously. British, you know, Americans pre- preachers come here. They can work out. I say it's, it's right. They're thinking. They're thinking. They're thinking. They're thinking about that. Okay. So um, another analogy I, that God gave me, as I've been thinking about um, the problem of, of polluted rivers, is also polluted oceans. Um, how, how, how about that problem with plastic in our oceans? Is that a problem that the world faces? It's massive. Is it, is it a danger to life within our oceans? Have you contributed in any way? Yeah, I, and I'm just saying, I, I, yeah, I think it would be difficult for any one of us to think that we have not contributed to that in any way. Not necessarily deliberately, unwittingly, but actually, what I'm trying to get is there, there's, there's, we've got a problem corporately. Now, the world's got a problem with plastic. The River Thames had a problem with, with, with all the pollution that was poured into it from many, many sources. And I, I would suggest to you that Christianity has a problem, that it's not releasing the life in all its fullness that it's meant to. So, so we have a problem. Um, and I think sometimes what, when we're tackling this problem, we try and find the individual bits and pieces. Who's to blame when that person didn't get healed? Who, whose fault was it? was it? Was it your fault? Was it your fault? And we, and we don't want to do any of that. But what I want us to own up to is, is in a sense of a corporate responsibility. And um, one of the challenges and one of the things that, that, that Jesus placed in front of his disciples was the problem of unbelief. 
Okay, so when when uh, the disciples came to Jesus and said, "Why can't we cast this demon out? Why can't we heal this person?" Um, he, he he always responded and said, "Unbelief, lack of faith." And then he actually talked about unbelieving a whole unbelieving generation. Um, now, when we look at uh, the story of um, the Israelites coming out of Egypt, um, they were slaves still with a slave mentality so so god took them on a training program to get them ready to inhabit the promised land okay so that was there's they were headed somewhere now the promised land <coughs> was one that would flow with milk and honey so so there what god was aiming them towards was a place of abundance and i would suggest to you it wasn't just for their welfare it was for the nation's welfare because if you go back to the promise to abraham I'll bless you, then through you I'll bless all the nations of the world. And I think the promised land was was not just meant to be a nice place that the Israelites would sort of hunker down in as their little enclave and and have a a wonderful time just as this nation. But I I think it was meant to be a demonstration to the whole world of the abundance and goodness of God. Okay, because I think sometimes, and I'm trying to put this picture out there for Christianity. Christianity is not for the benefit of us hunkered down in our church buildings. It's meant to be put on, on display for the for the for the demonstration of the goodness and glory of God to the nations. Now, unfortunately, um, the first generation, or really of of Jews that came out of Israel, didn't fulfil their potential, despite God taking them through. A lot of stuff. So I want to flip forward uh, to, to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. So in Numbers chapter 13, you've got, got fast forward where the Israelites have been through lots of training. And you have to remember, they still have um, a, a pillar of fire at night and the, and the cloud of glory by day with them all the time. It says all through their whole travels, they, they've never been without this manifest presence of God right with them. I'd be quite happy to have that. Most of you think that would be convincing. It would be convincing. You've been through the Red Sea. Your enemies have got, you know, they've defeated the Amalekites. They've had, you know, manna out of heaven. They've got all the all the stuff. They've got adequate evidence that God's pretty good at what He wants to do. And so, they, you know, and they've been on this training program, and they get to the edge of the Promised Land in Number Thirteen, and they send out twelve spies. And you probably know the story, but I'm going to have a quick look at it. And this, uh, this is the, the report uh, of the, uh, the ten of the twelve. Who were, who, were the tw- who were the two goodies in this story? Caleb and Joshua. Joshua and Caleb were the goodies. The ten others, I can't remember their names, but they came back. So the men who had gone up, um, this is the report they said, the ten. We can't attack these people. There we go. Uh, they are stronger than we are. What have they forgotten? God. Yeah, they've forgotten God. That's, that's the basic bit. That's the basic problem. They've forgotten God. So they haven't put God in the equation. Um, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. What would that be called in common parlance? Gossip, I would suggest. <clears throat> Negativity. So, so they spread. How, how quickly does bad news spread? It's extraordinary. It's like a wildfire. Boom! How quickly does good news spread? Much slower. It's fascinating, really. It's, 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 it's uh, um, examples from the medical world when we had literal nonsense about fear of the MMR vaccine. Yeah. 
by a doctor who's now actually lost his license, been totally discredited, the fear of that one thing, which was complete nonsense, still impacts the whole world when it comes around to vaccination. There are, there are children who die because of that word of fear. A bad report, which is why actually you need to be careful. Power of the tongue is really important. <clears throat> so they gave this bad report and then <laughs> and they said, the land we de- explore devours those living with it. This, this, is, this is, it gets exaggerated. <clears throat> if it devoured those who are living in it, I'm not sure there'd be anybody living in it. But All the people we saw there are of great size. Was that true? No, there were giants in that land. That, that is true. There were giants, but not everybody was a giant. You know, sometimes when you've got a problem, everything seems to be giant-sized. But it's not. Um, all the people there were of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants and act come from the Nephilim. We, now look at this. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. What's the problem they got? Is their identity. How do they see themselves? Rather than victorious ones. Called by God. And what is, what is interesting, they, they then said, and we look the same to them. Now, so they presumed that the enemy thought that they were easy prey. Fast forward to the book of Joshua, and you get to the story of Rahab. And basically, what, what you hear is that the, the nations have been trembling for 40 years because of, they've heard what God did for the Israelites. Isn't it fascinating that the enemies took more notice of what God did than the Israelites did? You know, for 40 years, they've been waiting for the Israelites to turn up, afraid of them. And for 40 years, the Israelites missed it. Okay, um, going to Numbers 14. Verse 1 says, That night all the, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Goodness me. You've got to remember, they still have the pillar of cloud, pillar of fire and the the, the cloud. (laughs) Okay. The whole assembly talked about stoning them. Uh, This is Moses. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Now look at this. How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I've performed among them? That's the power of unbelief. See, unbelief isn't not doubt. Unbelief is a refusal to believe. There's a difference. I like, I like the guy in, in New Testament says, I, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. That's, that's a good place to rest rather than... Um, what is interesting, the, the unbelief, when it's dwelt in, often becomes um, quite... What's the right word? It, it, it develops a, res, a, a root with, of bitterness and resentment within it, an offence. Yeah, it, it does, does it? There's, there's something about allowing this stuff to fester within that, that creates offence. Um, and so, this, now this is important, okay? So, um, verse 20, the Lord replied, because Moses then intercedes and says, forgive them. 
That seemed to be his job quite a lot, forgive them. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, that one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one, has treated me, no one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I'll bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. And um, what I thought is interesting is that the people were forgiven, but they didn't receive their inheritance. Now, I think often in the place of Christianity, I think Christians often park at the place of forgiveness and think that's, 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 that's the, the sum of Christianity in, in this life. Make sense? Yes. Yes, you are forgiven. That, that's not the issue. Yes, you are saved. Yes, you will go to heaven. That's, that's not the issue. <laughs> the issue is, will you fulfill the potential of Christianity? Will we fulfill our potential while we're on earth? The issue is not forgiveness. Okay, this is where, so this is not, this is no, nothing to do with condemnation. It's not, it, yeah, I'm forgiven. But, and in Galatians 5, it talks about those who, who live in, 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 in a sinf, with sinful behavior won't inherit the kingdom. It doesn't mean to say they won't, they're not forgiven. Okay, they're forgiven, but they won't inherit. Now, that, that's the problem that, that we're, we're looking at. Okay, now, if you think into the New Testament, can you think of any story, it's, a, it's in a parable, where there's somebody who had the potential of inheritance and didn't access it. The prodigal son. In the story, the prodigal son. Which son didn't use his inheritance? The older one. The younger one did. Just used it badly. <laughs> Interesting. Not saying, not commending him. <laughs> the older one. Now, when when his when the father comes to talk to the older brother to invite him into the party. How does the older brother in that parable respond? He says, never, basically. Because he, he's offended by grace. And this is what he says, I have slaved for you all my years and never disobeyed you. See, he, he's never got who he truly is, it seems. He's, rather than acting as a son with an inheritance and with authority, he, he believes he's a slave who has to obey instructions. And this is really important, because um, one of the reasons I think we don't see <coughs> as much of the kingdom of heaven released as we could is that we're waiting for God to instruct us to release it when he's saying, get on with it. Do you remember when the story of the Red Sea? When, 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 again, the Israelites are complaining, and Moses says, don't worry, God's got it sorted. You know, what, just just stand still and watch God. And, and God says, "Why are you crying out to me? Hold out your stuff." So, who, who parted the Red Sea? Moses did. Moses parted it, and then God blew and the window. So, so one of the things I think we really have to get hold of 
in order for our river to flow in all its fullness is the understanding of, of the authority that God has given to us. Within our river, there's authority. And rather than plead with God, we need to learn how to use the authority in a, a heavenly manner. Yeah? And the, the Bible distinguishes between heaven's authority and human authority quite, quite clearly. And, and brief, briefly speaking, I'll just, just, just headlines on this. Um, and if you want to read more about this, then a couple of chapters in my book, Unwrapping Lazarus, talk about it more clearly. But God has given us authority to destroy any aspect of darkness. Yeah? So if you come across somebody who is oppressed by a demon... Do you have the authority to release that person from that oppression? Yes. What happens if you don't use your authority? Nothing. No. Does God suddenly turn up and do it? Generally not. So our river, in that case, has not flowed to that person to bring life. Why? Because we haven't used our authority. You don't, you don't get rid of demons by pleading with God to get rid of them. You don't. You get rid of demons by using the authority in the name of Jesus to tell them to go. Okay. When it comes round to sickness, it's exactly the same. So how often, when it comes round to praying for the healing, do we plead with God to do it? I can let that one settle in. <laughs> That's hard. I know it's hard, but it's, it's, it's real. Jesus didn't plead with his father to heal the sick. He just did it. As a human being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I know sometimes we, there can be perseverance and prayer and stuff like that. And Jesus talked about why don't these things come out? Well, they need to come out by prayer and fasting. Um, but you can't find an instant where, where, where the disciples are having problem at that moment in time and Jesus says oh this is a tricky one I need to go and pray and fast at the moment and then I'll come back to you he has a lifestyle of prayer and fasting which is see, fasting is not getting God's hand up behind his back by your, your sacrificial efforts to try and squeeze an answer out of him prayer and fasting is actually about who I connect it's my connection to God so, and as I find that connection to him, then I understand him more and there's more faith and more authority that flows through me. So, um, and time and again, you, you'll see that, that Moses um, used his, his rod or his staff as, a, as an authority thing. So actually, when, um, when the Israelites needed water in the desert, what did he do? Hit the rock. Boom. How many get water out of a rock? That's a kind of interesting See, that's, he exercised his authority and water flowed in the desert. When it came round to fighting the Amalekites, <coughs> Joshua and, and the army are down in, in, in the valley fighting. Moses is up on, the, on the, 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 you know, the hill looking over. And as long as he's holding his arm out, which is his authority, then they win the battle. What happens when he gets tired? Arm comes down, they start to... Lose the battle. Yeah? With authority, win the battle. Without authority, lose the battle. What's the solution for Moses in that situation? 
His support, yeah, his friend. Not, he didn't do it alone. This is where coming around, communal. It's okay to admit when you get tired. In actual fact, if you don't, it's stupid. You know, it, it, it's, it, it's tiring sometimes, the battle. Yeah? It's okay to say, hey, can somebody help me? That's good. To not admit to that is, is kind of foolish and probably, to some degree, selfish. There might be reasons for it, but we'd have to, I'm not going to examine those right now. Um, so you get water from the rock, there's the Red Sea, there's a battle with the Amalekites, there's lots of places. Okay, now, <coughs> um, oh, yeah, I wanted to go back to, so again, a bit of a fast forward through the Old Testament. Eventually, the Israelite nation did get to become a place where the nations came to it to, to marvel at the, the astonishing blessing that it contained. Wh- which era am I talking about? Solomon. Solomon's, Solomon's era. So, so actually, um, no, interesting. So if you get to the place with Solomon, so it says this in 1 Kings chapter 4. Um, listen to this. 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29. It says, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the East and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan, the Ezraite, wiser than Heman, Kalkol, and Dada, the sons of Mahol. And his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs numbered 1,005. He spoke, now look at this, he spoke about plant life, from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of walls, he also spoke about animals and birds, reptiles and fish. That's what I've been speaking about. That's in the river. I thought, I'm reading this. Wow. I hadn't really taken that on board. He was a biologist, was Solomon. Now, listen, from all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. So here you have a picture of, of a nation now settled... And all the nations coming to marvel at the, the wonders of God within it. Now, what is interesting, and I was just you know, talking to Kim about this earlier this morning, is that the, who, who did, did King David want to build the temple? Yes, he did. What did God say to him? You're not going to do it. Why? And he said this, because you're a man of warfare and blood. And what I'm thinking, what I just want to set this out in front of you as a picture. You see, the blood of Jesus gets us to a place. Yeah? Where the potential is there. And, and David left all the potential for building this, uh, the temple for his son Solomon. But he didn't build it because God said, you're a man of blood. The blood gets you to this place. What was Solomon known by? Wisdom. <laughs> now... What I want to throw out to you is that I think there's two interesting distinctions in the New Testament that I've, I've found of the difference between human authority and heavenly authority and human wisdom and heaven's wisdom. I believe as we push into what heaven's wisdom looks like, then we will see something created 
that will make the nations marvel. But wisdom and authority go together. I'm convinced about it. I'm convinced there are three things, revelation, wisdom, and authority. God wants to reveal stuff to us. He wants us to give us the wisdom to know how to put it into place, and then he wants to, and he's given us the authority to enact that. So I go through that again. So the revelation, he's a spirit of wisdom and revelation. It tells us very clearly. So revelation, so that God will reveal to us, if you like, the blueprints of what he wants us to create. The wisdom... So then know how to, to put that into practice. And then the authority with which we will actually get on with it. And those are the three key things that I wanted to, to leave you in your mind right, right now. As we, as we think around, actually, what do we need for this river to flow in all its fullness? Because those are things that I think uh, the Bible talks about are gets, gets polluted. So God has given us authority over all aspects of darkness. He has not given us authority over people. But human authority is, 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 it tries to exercise authority over people, lord it over. And Jesus said, not so with you. Now, that, this is a massive, to- massive topic. But it's, it's, I think our, where our, 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 our river has got polluted by a wrong view of authority, it doesn't bring, and certainly it doesn't bring the nations. I would suggest it keeps them away. So, and we mustn't get confused. We've got authority over every aspect of darkness, and we're meant to use it. The way we use authority with regard to human beings, and it says this, is to build them up, never to tear them down. And that is not just for Christians. Our job is to build people up, not tear them down. You know what? And the goodness and the kindness of God will lead them to repentance when they see the glories and marvels of God in all his splendor because Jesus is the pearl of great price let's pray That's what, those are the thoughts I wanted to leave you with today so <clears throat> it's a big subject we're going to keep on going at this <laughs> took 60 years to turn that river Thames around or 50 odd but now it flows Father we thank you for the river inside us that has the purest of pure sources thank you that we have Literally the kingdom of heaven inside us, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And we want to let this river flow through our individual lives, through our corporate lives, into this nation and into the nations. So Spirit, Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And I pray that you would release those in increasing measure into our lives right now. I want you to put your hands out in front of you because... What's going to go on right now? If you, if you, I just want you to, don't rush off. This will take me just a few seconds. I want you to put your hands out in front of. You. I want you to get ready to receive wisdom and revelation and the release of authority in your life right now. And if you do this, reach out in faith. Over the next three to four months, you will see extraordinary things start to happen through your life. Okay. I know it works. I've seen it work repeatedly. So, Father, I release now. Oh! the wisdom and revelation of heaven into every life here right now. And I release the authority that's already placed within us. And we choose to tear down every aspect of darkness and we choose to release the blessing of heaven into people's lives now in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Okay, so that will change you. What, what I want you to do is, is, is God will give you things in, in accordance with that, revelation and wisdom and opportunities to bless the nations. As you are faithful with those things in the next week or so, it will give you increasing opportunities. Okay? If you're faithful with a little bit, then it will grow.